Good morning, guys. Good morning. Well done for coming out. I'm not saying that the guys who chose to stay in bed today and who are online are sissies, but... <laughs> Sorry. To all the guys online, I get it, right? Coffee, hot chocolate, at home in bed, I get it 100%. must say cold fronts, I heard there was a cold front coming through today. Cold front's a little bit different to what we used to experience in KZN back in the day. A cold front here, it just everything freezes. Um, but when, when we grew up, a cold front was like trees falling over and storms and all sorts of stuff. So I was expecting it to be a lot worse. It's actually a beautiful day. It's a really amazing beginning of winter. So I want to just give us a quick little heads up talking about that um, before I jump into this morning's sermon. We've been looking through the nine pillars. If you're visiting with us today, it's a great time. We're in the middle of the series, the nine pillars, looking at the fruits of the Holy Spirit and how these aren't just something, you know, like nice little things to have on the side, but these are actually nine things that we can build our Christian life on for our life to have any sense of longevity or for us to be fulfilled and to be able to make the most of the days that Jesus has given us on earth. And as we've been going through this, a lot of the stuff has kind of boiled down to obedience. Like, you know, you know the, the not-so-nice words that we talk about? The, you know, yes, we can talk about this, we can talk about that, but ultimately, Jesus said this, and it's going to, we either choose to do it or we don't. And that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. And one of the things that Jesus has commanded us to do is to be baptized, water baptized. And so, but he did say go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say go into all the world and make popsicles. So we do understand that we are heading towards winter. And so what we are doing is next week's Sunday, I don't want to call it last chance Sunday, um, but it really is. Before, before we hit spring and summer, if you haven't been water baptized, right, next week's Sunday, straight after the meeting, we're going to shoot down uh, to either our place or the, the Hewitt's place. I haven't chatted to Simon about it yet. Um, but I will afterwards. Please don't tell him. <laughs> but we're going to pop down and we're going to have a... And it's, it's just down the road. But the Bible doesn't suggest that we be baptized. It's a commandment. Repent and be baptized. It's like drawing a line in the sand because re repentance or salvation is an internal secret act or private act where God makes our spirit alive. And now all of a sudden... We're alive with Jesus. We're like, wow. It's incredible. Baptism is the outward sign of me putting up my hand and saying, Lord, and to everybody else, this is what's happened to me on the inside. If you've never been water baptized before, you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you know Jesus, but you've never been water baptized before. I say this as gently as I can. Friends, it's better to go home wet and obedient than it is to go home dry and disobedient. It's, it's that serious. You go to heaven, if you haven't been baptized, do you go to heaven? Yes, you do, 100%. It's not a salvation thing, but it is a command. And it's very difficult to live out all these other obedience things that God has called us to if we don't get the first things right. right? So what's the, what was the first command? Repent and be baptized. Start there. It's a lot easier for the rest of the obedience to happen once we've got that one right, right up front. So last chance Sunday. It sounds bad. Last chance before you go to hell. No, I'm kidding. It's not that. It's not that. Sounds, anyway. <laughs> if you want to chat about it, if you're on the church comms, you're welcome to drop me a WhatsApp straight back to the number that you get all the communication on. If you want to talk a bit about it, if you feel like you need some clarity, if you're not sure around water baptism, please talk, friends, because this is a line in the sand that we draw. Lord, I'm choosing to follow you with everything that's inside of me. That's what water baptism, it's, a, it's not cleansing, it's not a, a washing thing, it's just this. Water baptism, I'm, I'm standing in the swimming pool, the bath or whatever, we do it in the swimming pool, that's why popsicle, right, because it gets colder. 
but it's, I, I'm standing and someone baptizes me. It's me. I, I used to live to myself. I have died to myself. Burial and resurrection. And now I am a new creation in Christ. And what's so powerful about it is I can look back and the enemy comes and he reminds me of stuff that I've done in the past or reminds me of old habits or, and, he, and I can say to him, you know all that stuff you're reminding me of? That person you're reminding me of, that corpse is floating at the bottom of Simon's swimming pool. If you want to have a conversation with him, you're welcome to go over chat to him because I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and I'm free. So that's water baptism. That's next week's last chance Sunday. I've got to find a better word for it, but that's what I got at the moment, right? Okay, Galatians 5.22. Today we are preaching on kindness. Thank you, Jasper and Professor Rubblestone. Um, so we've been going through this each week. I'm going to read it to us again. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And that's why we get baptized, right? Death, burial, resurrection. Anyway. And for the next two weeks, we are dealing with the grandma fruits, if I could call them that. The granny fruits. Right? Today is kindness, and then Vo's preaching next week on goodness. Because kindness and goodness sound like something that gran had, right? She was so kind, and she was a good person. You know, and as you snuck out the, as you walked out the door without mom looking, she's, he's a faith Frankie for you. You know, get yourself something, like, just slips you a little bit of money. Like, Gran, so kind and so good and so nice, right? It's the, the gentle, a little bit old, perhaps, these things, kindness and goodness, a little bit weak. Maybe not in the same sort of thing as patience and peace. You know, the, the big ones, kindness and goodness. Uh, I'm preaching on kindness today, and I'd like to say that kindness is the complete opposite of weakness, in fact. And as we look at it, and just in case you are hoping that that's John's been a bit heavy the last two weeks, like, I know I'm with you. Today is no different. Uh, today's, you know, to use a good Afrikaans expression, it's more swar namslanje. It's going to be heavy. It's going to get to us, but I, I really, I believe God wants to set us free today, friends, and give us a bigger picture on how He sees the world, how He sees others, and how we can be more effective. I heard a friend of mine talking the other day, and he was having dinner with a bunch of pastors and, uh, at a restaurant, and the waiter comes over to the table, and the pastors at the table are like, um, hey, can we pray for you? And so the waiter's like, like a bit awkward, right? Because what does he say? No. Because I, I'm guessing like, you know, his yo, no or yes is going to have quite a, a significant effect on his tip at the end, right? So he's, so he kind of feels compelled to. So in front of everyone, he like, it's like awkward, he stops him, busy restaurant, they pray for him or whatever. And then this guy goes back into the kitchen, all the pastors are high-fiving each other, like, ooh, check what we did for Jesus. And my mate gets up and he goes in the kitchen he, and he's just, he's also a pastor and he's like, Dude, I just want to apologize for my idiot friends. Because what they did there was incredibly unkind. Incredibly unhelpful. Because it was just a notch on their belt. Wasn't that God told us to do this? It was a check how spiritual we are. And today, <laughs> it just got heavy, right? <laughs> I want to talk about kindness, friends. Kindness. If I had to be honest about why the church is weak and the gospel is not considered good news in the world today, it's probably because of us, the Christians. 
When I first got saved, yes, I was very honest about, I mean, I still am, but I didn't have any filters, and I just used to say stuff. I remember an older um, lady in the church, she was like, John, why do you just go at people like that? And I said, I'm just trying to be honest. I'm just trying to tell the truth. She says, you're not being honest. You're being rude. You're being rude. It's, it's you. It's all about you doing your thing and feeling spiritual afterwards or feeling like you've said your say and having done your thing. Friends, the world doesn't need rude Christians. The world doesn't need Christians who are going to run out there and look for notches on their belt. The world doesn't need us running out there and trying to prove a point to Jesus how spiritual we are, prove to one another how good we are, or how much better we are than everybody else. This is the thing, kindness, the fruit of kindness, <laughs> this is heavy, anyway, we're all together in this, right? Woo! I really didn't think this series was going here when we started. I thought it was going to be a fluffy series. But hey, the Bible's the Bible, and we preach what's there, right? Kindness is the neon sign above my head that shouts Christ follower. Kindness is the neon sign above my head, or should be. That neon sign should not be my self-righteousness. That shouldn't be what defines me as a Christ follower. Not my know-it-all attitude, not my judgmentalness, not my speech, not my clothes, not my Sunday attendance. My kindness is the thing that marks me as a Christ follower to the world. It marks me as other. It marks me as different. It marks me as one who is not the same as everyone else. As someone who has received something and is able to give the same. My kindness. See, this is the thing. Like, I don't know, I don't know if you ever wonder... You know, you read the Bible and there's texts that say, like, everyone should do the work of an evangelist. So there we are in our garage, you know, with an old piece of masonite. The end is nigh with paint. I'm going to just do my bit on the corner, stand there with a bell, you know, turn or burn. So I don't want to do that. Okay, that's a bit weird. So how do I witness? Okay, maybe at work. I'm going to jump on the table at, just before lunch. do this weird preachy thing. How do we witness? When, when Jesus says to us, go into all the world and make disciples, how do we? Because we can't say, well, I'm not going to be one of those fruitcakes who preaches. I'm just going to do nothing. So friends, kindness is our primary gift or fruit that God has given us to reach a dying world for Jesus. Kindness. It's the thing that he's given us in our hand to reach the world. And it's, that's why it's so strong. That's why it's so powerful. It's not the weak thing that Gran used to do at Christmas time, right? You see, the reason we've called this series the nine pillars is because imagine if you pulled these nine pillars out. What does the Christian walk look like? Let's say you pull kindness out. How do I interface with the world? Well, three ways. One, I'd live like I was when I first got saved. I don't care. Jesus offended people. So I beat the world up with truth, hoping that some would come to know, with no kindness. The second one is, I don't know how to interface, so I just withdraw into my spiritual compound and isolate myself from the world, 
put up my little, you know, sandbags and machine guns and wait for Jesus to come back? Or thirdly, I just cave in and I go with the flow in an effort to somehow have a voice to the world. But I don't stand for anything. I just... When you pull kindness out, you pull our ability to witness. You pull our ability to reach a dying world for Jesus. If it's not there, it's not real. This amazing fruit of kindness gives us one of our primary tools to interface with the world. Let's go back right to the beginning, talking about, we're talking about the, the nine pillars, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So let's go right back to the beginning, right in the beginning of the Bible, where fruitfulness is first mentioned. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the first time that fruitfulness is mentioned in Scripture. And so this is the picture. God says, God first of all creates mankind in His image. Then he says to them, be fruitful, and then fill the earth and subdue it. And then the fall happens, and we lose our ability to subdue. We lose our ability to be fruitful. And so we struggle and we fight. And we're actually talking about this at Connect Group. This is another one of those things, Mel. You know where the is? We are talking about it at Connect Group this week. So what happens is God says to them, he gives them that command, go and be fruitful and subdue the, you know, in the garden. And then Jesus, in Matthew 28 restores that mandate, so it's the repeat again, he gives it back to mankind where he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He gives man back, he says, right, here you get to do it again. Right? Lots change, there's not a garden, giraffes know they're giraffes now, rhinos have got it clear, but there's still a mission and there's still a world to reach. And so he gives man his mandate back, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Jesus, when he says on yeah, Matthew 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last chance Sunday, last plug for last chance Sunday. But teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so here's the thing. God hasn't only restored us. When we come to faith in Jesus, he hasn't only restored us on the inside, but he's also restored us with our mission. And I feel like for us as Christians, it's, I heard someone once say this, that there's not a sport in the world where you would run onto the pitch and not know what the point is, right? And there's not a sport in the world like that. In soccer, we know what the point is. You kick the ball past that guy, and then you get a point. In rugby, you drive over the line, and you get five points. It's way cooler, five points at a time. So rugby's better than soccer, <laughs> In cricket, if you hit the ball, you get six points. It's even better. <laughs> but we all know what the point is. The guy said this. He said the saddest thing for him is that our Christian faith is surprising how many Christians you talk to, and we don't know what the point is. We're playing the game, but we don't know what the point is. Friends, the point is to go on into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's the point. The point is not me better. The point is not me more successful. The point is not me more shiny. It's not me having friends. It's not me being in a church. 
These are all the things that God gives us. Why does he do all that stuff for us? So that we can accomplish the point, which is go into all the world and make disciples. That's the point. And if you pull kindness out of it, then we don't know what the point is. It's like taking the goals out of the soccer match, and everyone's running around just diving on the floor and pretending to have an injury. <laughs> right? But there's no goal. There's no point. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is what marks us and makes us so effective. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul's writing, he says, Do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So if it's God's kindness that leads the world to repentance, what should mark our Christian witness as we go to the world? If it's God's kindness that leads people to repentance, surely there should be a, a profound element of kindness in our presentation of that gospel, of the good news to the world. That's why it's called good news. So we're going to talk about what kindness is, because I'm keeping it as kind of a floating topic at the moment. But I'm really trying to hammer home how important this thing is. This is central to our Christian mission, that we've all been given a mission. And not all of us have got the ability to stand and be an orator and speak to a whole bunch of people. But each of us have the ability to be kind. So let's talk about what kindness is for a second. What is this kindness that God extends to us? Let's look at God's kindness. What does that actually mean, and how does it apply to us? In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, he says, all of us also lived amongst them at one time in the world, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were na by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sin. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, in his kindness. So what is this kindness expressed? Well, I'm going to get just a little bit theological for a few minutes here, but just follow me because this is really, really important for us. Why did Jesus have to come as a man? Because it's, it's central to our Christian faith. So why did Jesus have to leave heaven and come to earth as a man? It has everything to do with kindness. Because when Jesus, if Jesus is sitting in heaven as God, there's a few things. He's never experienced the suffering or the temptation that we've suffered. But also, as God and not as man, he can't pay the price for our sin. It had to be a man who would die for the sins of men. God couldn't die for the sins of man. And so Jesus leaves heaven and comes to earth to live as a man for 30 years. You know that Jesus didn't have to live for 30 years on this earth so that he could be ready for those three years of ministry. Right? It wasn't all preparation time. But for 30 years, Jesus endured. So we'd be able to look at him. He lived for 30 years on this earth. Friend, can, like I know Joburg's beautiful and South Africa's the best country in the world. I get all that stuff. But compared to heaven, it's like a sewage farm. And Jesus walks out of the glory and the perfection of heaven. 
And he walks around on this earth that was created through him. Because scripture says all by him and through him were all things created. So Jesus is walking around. And he's watching the way people speak to one another. And he's watching the way people are destroying the environments, even back then. And all the stuff that's going on. Think it brought him joy? And he endures it and he walks through it for 30 years. And he ministers for three years and then, and then he dies. But he dies as a man so that he can carry the sin of mankind. Only a man could pay this price. Jesus comes to the earth as a baby, fully God and fully man. And because he's a man, a human, he can legally pay the price for mankind's sin by fulfilling the law perfectly while he walked on this earth. Why is this relevant to kindness? Well, because it's the very different definition of kindness. Do you know what kindness means? Kindness is the same root as mankind. So kindness is this. Kindness is me saying, I'm a man, a human, you are a human. And so kindness is me extending you every bit of grace, privilege, help, generosity that I would expect for myself, I would extend it to you because I see us all as one. Kindness. We are all of the same kind. See, kindness is completely this way. Because it's me looking at each individual and seeing value and extending you the same value that I would attribute to myself. And so Jesus comes as a man, exactly that thing. And as a man, he has an ability or he has agency, he has the, the power to be able to set all of mankind free. And because he has that ability, he doesn't shy away for one second and he lays his life down to see all mankind forgiven. Because he has that ability. Friends, what is the ability that you have to make a difference in the world around you? Because it cost Jesus his life. That's what his kindness cost him. We read, I think it's in, it's in Philippians, that he was in very nature God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he laid it down, became like one of us, so that he could reach us. See, friends, this thing of kindness is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Can you imagine the church, if that was our thinking, that I went out into the world and I was as committed to your success as I was to mine? I was committed, as committed to your joy and as committed to your whatever as I was to my own. And I get all the qualifiers. I'm not making any qualifiers today, friends. We're not idiots here. We can make the qualifiers. But what I'm saying is that's our heart, that when I walk out, I am good for others because I'm living this way. Jesus was the only man who had the power and authority and ability to step in on our behalf. And so he did with absolutely nothing in it for himself. Nothing, absolutely nothing in it for himself. He got nothing out of it. We had no ability to reciprocate, to earn, or to deserve it. Yet he paid the price because of his great love. Friends, that's kindness in its truest form. Kindness is recognizing that I am a part of mankind. I'm not an isolated island. And I will go and do and love and live for the good of others the primary good I can do is to see them in a living relationship with Jesus. But I also know that all these acts of kindness in my life are signposts of hope 
to those who are looking for Jesus, even if they don't know they're looking for him yet. These acts of kindness are signposts that there is hope. That's what makes us different. It's what marks us. Remember what I said right at the beginning? That's what kindness does. Then Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6, just in case it's not weighing a bit at the moment. Luke 6, 32 to 35. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But I say to you, love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. I also wish it wasn't in the Bible. I'm with you, right? Like, that's, that's, like, that's some stuff there. But friends, to be kind to someone who's been kind to me is no kindness at all. To be nice to someone who's being nice to me is not kindness. It's transactional. It's easy. You see the words he uses here, your enemies, the ungrateful, the evil. Have you ever felt God challenge you? Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe just you were stepping up and whatever. But you were like, someone was being horrible to you. And you're just like, I'm going to bless this person and break them like in a nice way so that they won't be nasty anymore. And then they just receive whatever gift you gave them and they don't care. Some of the stuff that, that particularly I'm thinking of one person had a go at my wife once, said the most horrific stuff to her, belittled her, smashed her to bits. And Cindy had the ability, because we knew what you could see the insecurity on show, Cindy could have crushed her in a moment with one sentence. And she didn't. She just stood there and took it. person never tried to resolve it, never tried to fix it, never tried to make amends. Nothing. You sit there and it would just be so easy to... God is wrathful, and I am his instrument. (laughs) I am the Lord. (laughs) I'm coming for you. Just kindness. Zip it. Ungrateful, evil, enemies. Now we're talking kindness. Jesus says in Luke that the sons and daughters, look what he says at the end, Jay. He says, if you do these things... You will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. When you do it, you're showing that you are His sons and daughters. He says that the sons and daughters of the Most High are different. They are kind to those who hate them. They are kind to their enemies. Kindness is only kindness when it's extended with no expectation of anything in return. Friends, if there's a hook in it, it's not kindness. So all of a sudden, Omar's five ranki doesn't look quite so soft anymore. Like this is some stuff we're talking about here. This is, this is heavy. 
Being kind to our friends is not truly the kindness of Jesus. The kindness Jesus is speaking about is kindness when we have the right and we've been hurt enough to justify doing the complete opposite. This is absolutely impossible outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called a fruit of the Holy Spirit. One thing I think I've just seen like through this whole series is like, oh, I used to think I could do patience. Now I see why it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit because I can't do that. <laughs> and I look at this kindness thing. I'm like, oh, I could be kind. And like, I can't be kind. Like, I can't do that. Like, That's why it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So let's bring it home. Start in the church, because that's where it starts. Friends, if we can't do it with our family, how do we do it out there? So what does it look like in the church? Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It's this kind of thinking. When I look at someone else, I'm not you, and I'm not going to put myself on you. I don't know your backstory. I choose to lower my expectations of you without laying down the hope of you becoming all that Jesus has intended. I will keep high hopes for you, but I'm going to lower my expectations. I'm not going to load you. I choose to look at our relationship from your side as well. I choose to extend you the same grace, comfort, love, acceptance that I myself would want. I think many marriages in the world today suffer from a distinct lack of kindness. I'm just interested in what I want in the marriage. Not even marriages, other relationships as well. What I want, my thing. How many husbands I sit with and the, the speech is, do you know what I go through? Do you know what I've put up with? Kindness. That's why it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, friends. Do you know what I've had to endure? Kindness. That's what we're meant to do. It doesn't make us special. Just it's a signpost that we are children of God. That's what Luke was writing. <laughs> Last week, Cindy said to me on, I can't remember, was it on a Sunday? Cindy's like, babes, I really think we should start watching a series together. And that's all she said, okay? Now, I didn't realize what was sitting behind that, right? So I don't want to watch a new series. It's all about me, right? So I'm like, nah, it's cool. I don't want to. <laughs> Neighbors were wondering what had happened, why there was a giant crater in the Anderson. And I'm like, she just asked me about a series, like, but what Cindy was saying to me is, hey, babe, we've been busy. We haven't had time together. Now, this is me after two or three days of processing and trying to work it out. <laughs> like, a, like a good husband. <laughs> Bing! Like three days in. So I think she could have been more kind if she'd spelt it out a little bit, but... But you see, the thing is, if I'd been kind up front and been like, just take a minute and not just go and react and go, I don't want to do that. And I just paused for a second. And we'd had a conversation around it. Okay, you want to? Cool. What are you, what are you thinking? 
could have just mitigated a whole bunch of stuff. We obsess over our deeds, unfortunately, more than our identity. What we do trumps who we are. And so in our marriages, and our relationships, and our lives, we say stuff like, but I did this, and I did that. I'm a great provider. I'm a great mom. I'm a great boss. I do this, and I do that, and I give you holiday. You can do all that stuff, friends, and be incredibly unkind. Because kindness is not, because a lot of those things are, I'm doing this for you. It's this way. Like, not in the giving sort of way, it's the check at me. But kindness is, I want to see what you see. I want to take an interest, because you're also mankind, right? Am I kind? Do I extend the same value to you that I ascribe to myself? We're talking in the church. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. When we are kind, we set free. When we are kind, we find it much easier to forgive because we see one another from the same perspective. So if I've chosen beforehand to see others from my perspective, right, and to try and see what they see, I find it a lot easier to forgive. And so I live my life free. That's what he's saying. A man who is kind benefits himself. Unforgiveness, though, makes us bitter and frustrated, and we become cruel, we become petty, and ultimately we end up hurting ourselves. Proverbs 21, 21, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. After all Jesus has done for us, how can we not extend kindness to others? I was talking to a friend a while ago about a group that we were meeting with. He said to me, nah, I don't want to, I wouldn't go there because that guy there, he rubs me up the wrong, he's an idiot. So I left it. But I thought to, him, I thought to myself, I didn't say this at the time. But I wanted to say to him, so what's the difference between you and me? Because do you think I don't see that person's social not strong points? Do you think I, I don't see their irritation as well? Do you think I'm not also rubbed up the wrong way? But is it because I'm the pastor, I don't have a choice? I have to spend time with that person, and you don't. See, friends, kindness takes away our choice it takes away our preference. We can still choose who our circle is, but in terms of extending kindness, it's different. And it's amazing how it says there, um, those who pursue righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. And what I've seen is people who don't extend kindness, their worlds get smaller and smaller. And the, that, that um, life, life, righteousness, and honor their lives become smaller. Their lives get smaller. There's no honor spoken about them with people. Because people look at them and they just see their preference. They look at us and we, our worlds just become small. People are like, oh, a bit of a snob or a bit of a, this. Rude. It's not honesty. And so there's this, what kindness does, it just forces. And that, what's the result of that? Life. Because I rub up with people who I wouldn't ordinarily rub up with, spend time with. They rub me up the wrong way, and I grow, and I learn, and it's odd. And, uh, uh. But I learn to become a wider person, a more inclusive person in the church. Why is that good? Because when I go out there, not everyone's waiting with a hug. It's tricky out there. Learn some people skills in the church. <laughs> wide. So 
So I'm so much more effective out there. I'm not this exclusive, narrow person. I have found life, righteousness, and honor and kindness. Romans 15, 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. These are some hefty scriptures that we've looked at today. Friends, the kindness of God has led us first to repentance. He drew us with his kindness. When he could have judged us, he could have done all of that. He didn't. He chose to love us, to accept, and to welcome us in. Jesus laid his life down. That's the example that we've been set. And the challenge is for us to bear that same kind of fruit. Can I pray for it? Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Center Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.